Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we cover a comic or a graphic novel of our choosing, specifically for you, our dear listeners. My name is Anne. I'm Dallas, and Anne is coming at you live from Lesbian City. I know this is not a visual episode, but I wish mm-hmm. it was. Yeah, We're all just soaking in the Pride Month glory from Miss Anne. It's a Listen, great time. I was at unnamed city pride yesterday and it was just the best time um i'm still feeling it still enjoying it i'm, I'm going, still coasting. i'm going to axe throwing this friday <laughs> this is the month that never stops it's i it's was gonna fantastic. say there are two wolves but actually that's the same wolf the same wolf goes There's to axe throwing and goes to the pride parade it's the same wolf and she is gay she is yeah. gay as fuck um I've I've been listening. What the what the hell is her name? I've been listening to a podcast. Um, it's a, by a comedian. It's called "We're Having Gay Sex." Ashley, what's what's her what's her Ashley Gavin? She is freaking fantastic, and I've been like really clinging to her vibe this week. So it's the perfect time. Might as well get into it at the end of Pride. So we're having fun. Nice. I'm excited for you. We have one other member of this podcast. Oh yes. <laughs> I'm here too. <laughs> get to you, I promise. Don't mind me. Just in the background. We're over here plugging other podcasts before Alexis introduced herself. <laughs> yeah, that's that is the epitome of my life. I am that DW meme at the fence. No. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, the tiny anyway, flags. She has flags. Lexi, introduce yourself. Say hi. Hello, my name is Lexi. I also am a co-host of this podcast. Sometimes. <laughs> oh, anyways, we come to you today to talk all about Pride. Listen, it was great. Fishnets are the greatest thing ever invented. Um, I got a free vibrator, which was cool. Um, drag queens, great. Gotta love them. Oh, and we're also here to talk about lesbians in, like, not the literal sense, but, like, the fictional sense, because we are talking about Batwoman Elegy, which is by Greg Rucka, J.H. Williams, Jock, and a bunch of others that I do not have the time to name at the moment. Lots of people go into comics. You need to show respect to all of them. You should check it out sometimes. Anyways, this was not the first time I've read this. I've read this several times. I think the first time I ever read it was probably back in, like, I want to say 2012, 2013. I... No, I mean, 2013 or 2014, I was definitely still in high school at the time, which was fun. This was one of the first comics besides Runaways that I read that featured a major LGBTQ character. Um, And that was that was big for me because it's like going to a tiny little Christian town and you're just not exposed to a lot. You finally start to branch out a little bit and you find these characters and you're like, I really really relate to this character i don't know why i'm not going to unpack that for maybe the next eight years of my life but one day i will and we'll figure out what this all means um kate kane was one of those characters for me and getting to revisit this definitely been special so with that being said dallas and lexi gonna pass it off to you batwoman elegy what are your first initial thoughts it was so fun. I know I love to talk major shit about anyone that has bat in front of their name. They um, deserve it. <laughs> specifically when it ends with a man. But yeah. bat women, kiss. Love it. <laughs> we love the bat women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we love girl comics. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Girl comics are the best. If you can find a pair of boots that matches your hair, game over, man. Game over. <laughs> But no, this was honestly super fun. I love a little 
short, sweet, wonderful comic right in the middle of all of our giant omnibuses that I magically made all of us read without realizing, because that's my hobby. It's a <laughs> skill I have. Pick the biggest book out of the lineup. Don't know how to do it every time. But... <laughs> I'm currently shaking at how much squirrel girl you want to read because that is an enormous run gonna kick us I right in the omnibusy she's gonna kick us right in the omnibusy i have been shaking since you put that, that on the schedule oh is it officially it. on the schedule now i just was putting yeah. it there for my yeah. own personal notes okay i'm As not saying i'm not saying i'm not excited i've wanted to read that run for a long time it's just enormous I'm actually personally really excited about that because I had a friend who messaged me the other day out of the blue by like, you still have that comic podcast, right? And I said, yes. And he's like, okay, what episode do you talk about Squirrel Girl? Because I have a coworker that really wants to listen to that episode about Squirrel Girl. I said, stay tuned. Stay now tuned. I can actually text back and give him a date, which is cool. Lexi I- will take care of you. Don't worry. <laughs> Lexi. If no one else has me, I know Lexi has me. <laughs> I love it. But no, this is very fun. I really enjoyed it. Hell yeah. Very fun. I... Love Greg Rucka. And Greg Rucka loves a lesbian who trained to be a soldier, a cop, or a spy, and then was told at the last second that because she's a lesbian, she can't do it anymore. So she has to become a vigilante. It's a trope so nice, he's done it like thrice. I don't know, maybe more. If Greg Rucka, I think if Greg Rucka has ever asked, to write a male protagonist, he starts to violently throw up. And then he's Same. also, though, also he's like, I'm not writing, I'm not writing a romance towards a man. Bleh. And so that's why every book stars a lesbian. And this has got to be my second favorite lesbian Greg Rucka book. It was really great. It was very fun. I like Kate Kane a lot. It's fun to go back and read her origin story because I really got acquainted with her through James Tynan's Detective Comics run where she's a major character. So it was just a ton of fun to get to know her. I mean, her design is iconic. There's a question about this later on in the show, but I absolutely think part of what has given her the staying power she has is her fantastic design from J.H. Williams III. With some caveats, we'll get into as well. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry I pointed that out to you. <laughs> yeah, listen, I sometimes you're just having a good time, just being oblivious. I was like, this is what it must feel like to be my mother. Just like taking things in, being like, I love that show. I'm like, oh, did you not notice like this, this, this and this? And she's like, oh, no, I didn't really. Huh. Weird. That's exactly how I felt when Anne was like, way to go picking that panel, bucko. And I was like. I truly, I got the Lord in my soul. I didn't even notice. I, listen, I, <laughs> I want you to know that wasn't accusatory. I just thought it was so funny. Every time I see that panel, I lose my shit because I'm like, there, there are some times when you can tell a comic book artist is writing mainly from the horny and J.H. Williams picked a lot of moments in this book where he was writing, where he was drawing purely from the horny. He was powered by the horny. He was born in it. He was raised by it. He was molded by it. And it comes out so often in this book. It's not to the point where it's like so egregious that you're like, oh my God, why am I doing this? I'm, oh my God. It's not like Ed Ben's level, but it is enough to sometimes I'll look at a panel and be like, I read this in a high school once. 
Listen, <laughs> if a teacher he, looked over my shoulder at this moment, it was over. He reminds me last night with some friends, we were talking about and laughing about Renaissance painters, you know, as you do. Yeah. And one of them was like, have you ever noticed how poorly Da Vinci draws vaginas? He's like, like, look at the nudes that he does. And like the penises have perfectly quafted pubes. And he's like, and if you look at a Da Vinci vagina, he's like, it's just a monstrosity. Like this guy has never once let a single person just pose for him. It's like, have you ever been so gay you refuse to do reference? Like, oh, no, it's not for me. No, no, I, I, I don't draw that. Uh, like, you have to. It's Adam and Eve. He's like, oh, no, I, no, I sorry, sorry, sorry. And that's a little bit how J.H. Williams III felt in this book. You're like, this is garbage, but also high art garbage. So, <laughs> like, oh listen, you got the horny. You got Michelangelo's David up there where you're like, that is a well thought about ass, but it creates art. So, mm. I'm actually I'm gonna <laughs> sleep in terror tonight because I have never seen Leonardo da Vinci's vagina. But um, after a quick Google search, <laughs> <laughs> that's what Anne's doing over there. <laughs> Listen, it took like, it, it's I had to sort through a couple different pictures to find you know what we were actually talking about. But I gotta say, not a fan. Not a fan. And I'll think Da Vinci was either. <laughs> he said, yeah, same. Same brain. Okay. My number one favorite thing I learned about Leonardo da Vinci was that towards the end of his life, he got a younger boyfriend who stole all of his money. And all of the other Renaissance painters like, oh, no, he don't love you. He says, no, he love me. He love me. They're like, he's taking all of your money. And he's like, oh, no, no, he love me. And the guy would like break up with Da Vinci and Da Vinci be like, I increase your allowance. Please come back. <laughs> I was like, frankly, that rules. Oh. That rules. Why are we talking about the Mona Lisa? Let's talk about that mess. Can you believe they don't want to teach this history in schools? It's the best. So funny. Also, the style of the time was to wear a very plain knee length tunic in like beige. And Da Vinci famously wore like a mini skirt that was rose colored velvet like to his dying days like Wonderful. he that picture you've seen of him with like the big long beard like very old man in a mini rose skirt. mini skirt so i think he would enjoy batwoman elegy honestly <laughs> i think he'd read it and he'd be like oh, yes, a queen. <laughs> wonderful oh my gosh bless oh well, regardless, um, I'm so glad that both of you enjoyed this book. This one is um, one of the ones that always stands out for me, speaking of J.H. Williams, specifically for those beautiful, beautiful spreads that he does. Like, I don't know beyond, um, oh, who did um, who did Swamp Thing with Scott Snyder? Um, Yannick Paquette. Who yes. Who did Wonder Woman Earth One. Yes. They, both of them, have like a very similar style, I think, when it comes to designing and framing all of their splash pages, like they're a beautiful work of art in, in and of themselves. And there's so many different and fun ways that J.H. Williams uses these panels to convey action and motion. I remember um, I was I was reading over it again this morning and there was one of the panels where Kate's on the left side of the splash page and the, the rest of the splash page is happening all around her. And on the very far right, she's on like a different tower 
and there's panels in the middle that show action happening with her dad, but the panels are shaped like a bat, and it flies her from the left side of the page to the right side of the page. And I thought that was so cool, because I'm like, I've never noticed that before. It's it's a book that I pick, pick up more and more each time I go through it. Also, lots of fun differing styles based on who's doing the colors at the time, which I also think is great. It's a visually stunning, stunning work. I love introducing the painterly style whenever we're in Batwoman's world. Oh, yeah. And the flat colors whenever we're in Kate's world. I mm-hmm. think it does a great job of differentiating the different storytelling techniques and leaning a little bit into the more gothic horror that Batwoman interacts with than like the crime, pulpy serial killer stuff that Batman interacts with until Batman and Batwoman are in the same story on opposite ends of a case. And Jock draws that. And so then Kate gets pulled towards his world. This whole story, visually stunning. The colors were always on point. The pencils were always on point. The areolas also always on point. <laughs> they were always pointing. Um, this, I, think the, I think the art style does a great job at setting up such a perfect visual identity for Batwoman that sets her apart from the Bat family. And sometimes when there's so many bats flopping and flying around Gotham City, you really Which need... ones flop? Which ones flop? Um, <laughs> I can't yeah. say that without yeah. Twitter getting on my ass. I can't. There are definitely Bat Fam members that I am not a fan of, but we're not going to talk about that at the moment because I'm going to go back to what I was what? saying about character identity. And I'm going to turn it over to Lexi because, Lexi, is this your first Batwoman comic you've ever read, yes. period? Yes, okay. I believe so, so. The character of Kate Kane. Did she stand out for you apart from all the other bats? And what makes her a character that, if she does, what helps her stand out? I feel like for me, I really loved, I know Dallas made a joke about the backstory of like, oh, I'm in the military, like, and I'm getting kicked out because I'm this way, you know? And I know Dallas made a joke about it, but like, I loved the little backstory moment. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh. Look, we Listen. can see why she's grumpy and in tights in the sky. <laughs> it works. I was just laughing because I've read Gotham Central, yeah. which was my first Greg Rucka has a lesbian get kicked out <laughs> book. And that one stirred me to my core. So reading this one, I was like, dang, I mean, get back to it. And so when you inevitably read Gotham Central, you'll be like, damn, girl, get back to it. <laughs> yeah. Greg's yeah. got a story to tell. <laughs> it's true. They were really fun. And like the crazy reveal at like the middle point with the sister being that batshit crazy. Mm -hmm. I was like, gasp, gasp. When, well, because of course, like we see it. She like kidnaps the dad. And the dad is like, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. How come you have my kid's face? And she's like, what do you mean? And she just is like, never mind. We're just going to go dramatically jump off the side of this plane now. Don't mind me. I would too. I would too. I, As someone who constantly is like, you have your older brother's face. I'm like, I'm going to go jump off the side of this plane now. <laughs> hey, I was going to say, listen, throughout history, there's one trope that I will always love. Ocean Master and Aquaman, Thor and Loki, Dallas and Lexi. I love when there's a hero and a villain. I love that sibling I'm the villain. Pair. <laughs> I never I never said, but I guess well, if, you, if you want to be the villain. Every single girl, one of my siblings says, no. <laughs> I am the villain of our story. Dallas, do you accept this verdict? Do you accept the role of hero? I mean, anyone who's met me knows that I'm someone to look up to. 
Okay. Physically, maybe. <laughs> that's wow, that's a big bitch. <laughs> listen, listen, I got the picture of Dallas, me and Evan hanging up at work. And I love oh. that picture so much because I look like a normal sized person in it. <laughs> that picture hurts my feelings every time I look at it. I'm like, look at all my friends hanging out. And they didn't even text me. <laughs> Now I'm gonna the cry. first cut is the deepest. <laughs> Baby, I know the first cut. You don't have the one where I drew myself into it? That's offensive. Wait, that did you do that? Do I, I not drew myself this? into that picture. <laughs> Let me find it. It's funny. Okay, find that one. Send it to me. I'll print that one out instead. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted. Got off. Off target. Back on lesbians. Um, I I love this as an origin story for just her as a hero, her as a person in general. And I love that it's a story that's very, very real, but also very, very... Um, I, I feel like it's believable. I feel like out of all the bad characters, I understand that how I I understand how she got from point A to B, and I love that she was a character who learned how to take care of herself because the world told her that because of who she was, the one thing she always wanted to do was the only thing she couldn't do, and I love seeing her struggle through that. I loved, I I think one of my favorite things about Kate is that she's allowed to be very very messy and um very very toxic at times. Her and Renee, whenever they're together. Everyone's like, oh, they're they're an adorable couple. I'm like, they're actually the worst. And I think that's why I love them so much. Because I've I've never seen them work, but they're both some of my most favorite badass characters of all time. So it's it's a fun, it's a fun, fun, fun dynamic. And I don't think characters have to be in a like a working romantic relationship for it to be a fun dynamic. I think it could be a fun dynamic without that. <clears throat> and I think that's something really special she brings to um Gotham and to the Bat family later on, especially in like the Detective Comics run, where her approach to doing things is so much different than how Bruce approaches doing things and it leads to conflict. And whether she's right or wrong, I think it's an interesting perspective to look at vigilantism and how they operate in Gotham. And I'm kind of just rambling on and on, and I want to to kind of ask what stood out in this origin to people? What yes, Dallas. I kind of want to return to what you were saying about Kate Kane being allowed to be messy. Mm-hmm. I think something that is hurting a lot of comics right now is the desire to sand off the edges of these characters so as not to inflame anyone on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know, like the books, that co- like there are certain books at DC right now. I'm not going to name anything because I think that's tacky, but that, ultimately are very nice books with nothing to say because they are so focused on saying like the right things all the time that there's like no conflict. There's no mess. There's no characterization beyond just like voicing whatever like the hot topic is at that exact moment. And I think why some of these books from the mid two thousands at both Marvel and DC. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes the hard, the art is a hate crime, but (laughs) the writing is so consistently resonant Mm -hmm. because there are just messy human characters where post 
Comics Code Authority so we can talk about some more real things than what was allowed then. But we are pre-acquisition from Disney, pre-movies, where you have a different kind of Comics Code Authority, frankly, again, looking at your practices and standards. And you get this 10-year period where characters are just allowed to be messy and talk about adult topics and make bad decisions. Mm -hmm. And it just, it makes the, it feels like those edges make them get caught in your mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? So you're like, oh, that story's going to stick with me because it actually had conflict. It actually had something to say. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, a lot of people will read the first issue of a comic and treat it much differently than other media. Like, cause like you go into a movie, you go into like a TV show, you get introduced to a new character for the first time. Right. And that new character is not going to be who they are at the beginning of the story. um, They're not gonna be the same character at the end of the story. They are at the beginning because they have to go through a character arc. They have to grow. They have to develop. They're not going to be their like quote unquote idealized self. Comics are weird because I th- feel like a lot of times people go into them with an expectation of who the character is supposed to be. And they need that character to be that for the entire story. And so you have to find new ways to build character arcs around who people expect this character to be versus who you want them to be and how to grow around that instead of completely erasing it because it causes conflict. And we're we're past an age, I think, where, oh my god, yes, thank you, Lexi. <laughs> we found the picture. <laughs> I think we're no no you're fine I think we're past an age where comics fandom can allow a story to to block I know I know there had to have been forever people who would read the first issue of a comic be like this is an absolute spit in the face to everything that's come before this is insane I can't believe anyone would have done that but with the weight and the size of social media now I feel like it's harder for writers to exist in that vacuum where they're allowed to let their stories be told. And I, there, there's a happy medium because sometimes like in the two thousands, I think comics went a little too far into the darker, more adult themes where it's like, sometimes it's okay to tell the writer, this is not a good idea. You can slow down a little bit, but absolutely. I think we've, I think there's a fair argument, argument to make that sometimes we've, we overcorrect and just tell stories that are forgettable because like you said, they don't have anything to say because they don't possess any real, edge or bites in them and this is right there at that that time before everything started to shift where it's really interesting to see so i think that's a great observation and i mean so much of it comes from where your heart is as a writer right like mm-hmm. you can write kate kane incredibly messy as greg Recca because greg Recca isn't a homophobe he's not trying to say lesbians are messy lesbians are bad you know what i mean like that's clearly not where greg rucka is coming from read his body of work but what he is saying is that this person is messy this person is a toxic partner and that is so interesting that is so much more interesting than the opposite Mm -hmm. i think honestly some of what made spider-man magic was Steve Ditko making him an asshole, right? Like the great power, great responsibility hits much harder when he is at his core a selfish person, right? And I think stories where Peter Parker is allowed to be selfish end up being stories that 
for better or worse, are very memorable. Like, <laughs> One More Day is a crazy story. But also, I don't think Peter Parker is written out of character there. I think that is a selfish man making a selfish choice. Yeah. And I just, I liked seeing that in Batwoman Elegy. I liked her being mean to her stepmom for no reason other than just, I'm an adult child who doesn't want a stepmom, but I will take your money and let you support my life. <laughs> I would say, I, I think she kind of has a reason. Her stepmom mom is definitely kind of like very subtly like, she feels very subtly homophobic to me, which is like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not against your lifestyle style, but I'm definitely going to, like, kind of, like, side-eye you a little bit, you know, just... That sure, is true. Yeah. What do you mean so, you're wearing a tux to this what black tie event? Yeah, How dare yeah, you? But so it's like you can do whatever you want, I guess. Hmm. <laughs> I, just, I love that conflict. I love that they're allowed to both be assholes to each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like this comic came out right now. There would be like a, I don't like that you're wearing the tux. Well, this is what the tux means to me, stepmom. And the stepmom would be like, ah, that makes so much sense. I'm sorry. And then like a big hugging page drawn by Bruno Redondo. Wait, I'm sorry. And then they would like move on as best friends for the rest of the book. And I just like, I don't know. There, It's such a line because like you've got the Grant Morrison camp. It's like, I want to portray worlds better than our own. And then you got the Alan Moore camp. It's like, I want to portray our world as it is. Right. And you got to bounce between those two all the time. And I think Batwoman Elegy ends up falling in that Alan Moore camp a little bit. Where we're showing things how they are in 2006 as this book is mm-hmm. coming out. Yeah. I want to pass it back over to Lexi. Because uh, I'm kind of curious. We've been doing this for, you know, a while now. We've read a lot of different books from different time periods. Have you started to like notice or be able to tell when we're reading like a certain period of comics or is it still like they all kind of feel similar to you? See, I feel like it depends. I want to say it depends because I could definitely Mm -hmm. feel like this was from a different time, but I wouldn't have been able to to pinpoint when it was. Like, it does feel like it's written differently than the stuff that we're reading that's coming out more, Mm -hmm. like, right now, I guess. Um, But I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's just because I don't, like, complex think about that ever. I'm just like, look at this really fun book that I'm reading. (laughs) Um, It's new to me. It came out in 2023, into my knowledge. But I could tell that this one was a little bit, like, different time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's no, I, I appreciate that. I like your perspective because you're not like, you're not looking for it. So I like knowing if these things do, you know, jump out to you too. Yeah. So thank you for that. Um, I feel like it aged well. <laughs> <laughs> it aged well. Areola and all. It wasn't a jump scare because there are a few that I'm like, oh, hello. <laughs> Look at the art in this. Wow. I didn't know you could have veins and boobs. Wow. <laughs> There are there are exactly two moments here of full out vulva, and I'm like, yeah, yep, mm-hmm. that's that's there. Cool. Hello there. <laughs> <laughs> I 
just I had a really bad mental image of turning the page and there's just that woman's vulva and you're just like General Kenobi. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you hear hello there every time you turn the page. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm I'm a I'm a goof. I have to. I I deal with nudity like I'm a child, so everything's fine. This is <clears throat> I don't know. We <clears throat> in this there's kind of like the three different arcs, right? Because there's the one where she deals with Alice and there's the Monster Men, and then there's the origin story, and then there is Razorface McGee. Did anyone have a favorite of those three stories? Hmm. I feel like for me, I really loved the Alice arc just because it was like chaotic and crazy. And I was like, oh, this is her female Joker. This is really fun. But then with like the twist at the end of like her being the sister and she's just batshit crazy. And like it just and the way that it like dove you into the next arc with like the flashbacks was just so interesting. Um, And I just feel like it created such fun depth and like problems with her dad and like all these different things why she's kind of spiraling into being even more of a mess you know like it just created a lot of fun stakes for the story Mm -hmm. so I think the first two arcs in my mind are kind of the same one for me yeah uh, just because it was like the continuation of it but I loved the background like the back stories with the middle that was really awesome I, I think it's really cool because I like starting with the character in media res. You're starting her. She's already a superhero. She's already done all these things. And you build up a little bit of the mystery of how she got here. And then you tell her secret origin because, you know, it, at reading comics for so long, it gets so tiring when you're like, a new character's here. I got to read through six issues of secret origin first. Because not every superhero comic can be no normal. Not every superhero comic can be Miss Marvel. So it's like, I just want to get to the action sometimes. And I like that Batwoman starts kind of just is this enigma who dances around and jumps from book to book until she appears here, getting her um, chance at Detective Comics. And then we get into that deeper part of her lore, which is where the book really starts to become a favorite for me. Like, I love the Alice stuff, but her origin story is what made this a book and a character that I really loved. I think it's it's really interesting to have, I, I, going back to kind of what Dallas was talking about earlier, the way the stories now are being told versus how they were told back then. The fact that she couldn't be a soldier was um, definitely very powerful and very real back then, which is insane to see how far we've come in some regards in just the last 15, 18 years. And it's just, it's harrowing to remember there are still people trying to pull us back to that time. And... I think it's a great book to read during Pride Month just to remind you of how far we've come and how much further we have yet to go. But also, it's not a book that makes that the objective. It is definitely an injustice that is stated at the beginning and kind of underscores her entire character journey, her entire arc, her her pain, everything she's gone through. But it isn't the thing that she's fighting against the most because she's a character who took something really bad that happened to her and still managed to find a way to help people despite it. And I think that is a powerful story in its own right. Today, we have a lot of stories where it's like very, very much confronting that head first. And sometimes I feel like people can feel those stories are hollow because I remember like 
you can't have the story where it's like, hey, we solved racism or hey, we solved homophobia. Isn't that great? Because, you know, if it really wasn't a solution that simple, we wouldn't need to have a one issue comic about it. It's a much deeper and complex bigotry that we have to deal with and compartmentalize and process in our own lives. And I think that it's a much more complex theme than we sometimes give it credit for. So I really like seeing this book is approaching it from that angle where we see the more subtle sides of it in Kate's life and how she gets around it instead of tackling it head on. I think there's a great place for both of those stories, but I love that Kate's takes a different angle. I just, I just got to talk a second about the mm-hmm. art in the first um, arc because yeah. Alice's character design goes so hard. She looks so badass with the oh, yeah. spice of just pure crazy. I loved it. I was like, yeah, I like you. I, I, we should keep you around. And like the whole, I don't know, like the whole um, story about like the evil covens and like all that i feel like i wish i kind of we got a little bit more of that (laughs) because that was just that was just very fun for me i i feel like each of the little mini arcs just have their own appeal like they're so fun they're so dark and gritty but they also have like i don't know like the crazy character design the fun kooky alice and wonderland whole thing that was crazy and it just was so fun. Like, I feel like it was a really good little run that I feel like you could sit down with in an afternoon and just enjoy. Oh, yeah. Because that's what I did I... this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, never change, Lexi. Never change. I never will. Because I was like, ah, this was only like 12 issues. Pfft, I got it. And I did. It was only like an hour and a half. It was great. I I love you bringing up the visual aspect of Alice because I love her as the the yin to Batwoman's yang and Mm -hmm. just visually she's white and bright and stunning and you know Kate is dark and brooding and just every time they're on the same panel together it's such a great visual dynamic and contrast it's it's very very fun it lets everything stand out so much better I think there's the one splash page where they're like kind of like doing the actual yin and yang symbol where Alice is facing down and Kate's facing up. And I thought that was such, such a good moment. I also liked in the backstory, every time we saw Alice, she had the coloring from her future costume and Kate had the coloring from her future costume. Like oh, in yeah. Their little winter coats. Real good. Real, that real good. That, dear listeners, is a literary device called foreshadowing. <laughs> Yes. No, no, I wasn't making fun of you. I just thought that was fun. She was. No, I wasn't. She can have a free card because Dallas makes fun of you way too much. I had to tell him to knock it off. No, my my nerdy moment was when I was, we were at the ballroom scene and I spent more time trying to like play the music in my head because there's the the sheet music at the top and bottom of the pages than I actually did reading the words in the the thought bubbles. I was like, what song is this? What is happening right now? But I, I did not figure out the song, by the way. I have, sh- I have sheet music PTSD. I said, ah, jump scare. That was the biggest jump scare of the entire book. <laughs> sheet music! <laughs> it was the one where Kate and that guy is dancing. And there's the sheet music behind them. I'm like, move! 
Yeah. You like get out of the way. <laughs> I'm trying to read the important things here. I loved the last bit that we just got to have just like a messed up little freak for Batwoman to fight. Like every once in a while, I really, again, this little era of detective comics where they're like, actually, this is going to be a David Fincher movie and we're going to be hunting a serial killer in both this and Scott Snyder's detective comics in Black Mirror. Uh I was like, let's get back to this, man. Let's get back to like Gotham is an awful place with some awful like people that we got to go fight. Sometimes it feels watered down to have the supervillain of the week. I don't know. I contain multitudes because sometimes I'm like reading world's finest. I'm like, why can't we go back to the silver age where everyone is stupid and has a funny gimmick. And then sometimes I read this and I'm like, why don't we throw away all the costumes and everybody is a hardened criminal except the heroes who have all this trauma and they got to go stop them. And I want both all the time. And that's why Batman Year One is a perfect comic. Anyway, this is now a Batman Year One episode. No! We're we'll talking about David Mazzucchelli and this Greg so Miller's homophobic. masterpiece. You, are, you cannot hijack this. <laughs> no, not during Pride Month. It's not happening. Fine. Yeah. Talk to me in July. <laughs> July first, July first at twelve oh one p at twelve oh one a.m. I'm gonna get a text say it's Batman time, baby. <laughs> you're one, baby. And then you're gonna send me the boys are back in town. <laughs> Thin oh Lizzie. my! That True. is Thin Lizzy, right? Yeah, I think so. I know my songs. <sighs> but since we're still in Pride Month, kick it on, Fat Bottom Girls by Queen, and let's get back to talking about Kate Kane. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold up. This is this is actually a good time to plug this. There's actually a better version of Fat Bottom Girls called by Remember Monday, and it's better because it's women singing it, so it's legally sapphic. So if you want your Pride Month Fat Bottom Girls, remember Monday. Um anyways. You know, famously heterosexual queen. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> Don't listen to Freddie Mercury for Pride Month. <laughs> that wasn't what I meant. I'm, for the girlies out there. <laughs> for the sapphics. I'm looking out for you. Shut up! Dan said a gay man still don't a man. Don't listen to that gay man. A gay man's still a man. Oh no! Don't, don't listen to the Focus. Criminal. Oh no! I'm going to get canceled on Twitter now. This is erasure. It's like, anyways, anyway, don't listen to that straight ways. stuff Thank like you. Elton John. <laughs> don't yeah. do it. Like, I'm sick and tired of straight music hey, like Rocket Man. If you're in Pride Month and you're listening to Lady Gaga and Cher, what the fuck are you doing? I swear. <laughs> These people in Pride Month are li- listening to David Bowie. What the hell? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> So, I'm starting the new anti-Pride Month aesthetic. You only listen to Metallica all month long. Bum, 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 bum. I got Megadeth going. <laughs> Happy Pride. Gross. What were we talking about? Batwoman, I think. I think so. Mm, um, that's all right. Just ring a bell. No, but it's. I, I think that having the grounded, gritty detective stories 
are definitely missed sometimes because last time I checked in on Batman, we were saving all of Gotham City and there's a robot that took down the Justice League. I don't. <laughs> it's fun, but there is something really, really special about a story like um, I keep forgetting his name. I'm just going to keep calling him Razorface McGee. There's something really special about Razorface McGee. His name was Cutter. Yeah, was Cutter. Cutter. And there's something crazy. special about the Court of Owls. And there's something special about um, Redhead Jr. What his, what's, his, what's his face? James Jim Gordon, Gordon Jr.? Yeah. There's something really special about those characters in the Bat Mythos. And I do miss that from time to time. Yeah. It's good. Gotham is fun. Like, I know we all shit on Gotham and bat people a lot, but, like, mm-hmm. it goes hard. It goes hard. Mm-hmm. Every time you're in Gotham, you're like, I'm having a good time here. This is crazy. <laughs> Every time Batman shows up in Starman, and Starman's just like, gosh, you're a dick, but I love you. I'm like, me too, Starman. Same. I resonate with that. And then when Hellboy <laughs> shows up, and Starman's like, you're the coolest guy who's ever lived. And I was like, Starman gets it every time. I'm so glad you're loving that book. It's the best superhero comic of all time. Outstanding. Astonishing. I'm almost done with them in space. And I have no idea what's going to come next, but I cannot wait to get there. But also, I'm going so slow to savor it because I can only read this for the first time once. Those are the special comics. That's what I did with Sandman. I feel so bad that we made... Both of I you feel like I need to revisit yes. that one. You should go back and save. Wait, listen. When we read Death, we can save her Death a little bit because it's much shorter. That's true. Um, yeah. Do we have any more thoughts about Batwoman in the story before we get into our listener questions? Because we have at least a few. I really liked her relationship with her dad. Yeah. I thought. Listen, if we're going to do the the world and the military and the stepmom are homophobic. I loved the interaction with her dad who knows his daughter. And then he does raise the question, like, why couldn't you just hide? And she says like, because that's being dishonest to myself. And he just snaps his fingers right there. Like, okay, enough said, like I'm on team Kate and I'm going to be your guy in the chair. Like I'm, I love how supportive the dad is of, mm-hmm. Kate in every era of her life, even when she is free falling through life, he loves her. He supports her. And I think that's a reality as well. That doesn't get talked enough about is like the person that you would expect to not support you supporting you because of the, that's the quality of their character, right? Like Mm -hmm. that dad is a gruff military man. Like, Coming to him, you're going to expect him to be like, what the hell? But he didn't, you know? And I think that is really fun. And that speaks to the truth in life as well. I think there are a lot of people that you assume are not going to be on your side that then will surprise you. I think Mm -hmm. more often that people are going to surprise you. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the truth. Um, That was such a great moment. Mm -hmm. And... Oh, great moment to remind everyone listening. If someone in your life comes out as LGBT and they come out to you, it means they trust you. So make sure you show them that your trust was earned. Support them, love them, treat them no differently than you would before. They're going through a scary time. So make sure that you support them in any way you can. 
be their hero, help them out. Be cool. Bully them the same as you did before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and not because they're gay, but because, they're you know. They're not special. Because it's who they are. <laughs> bully they're them worth their bullying. Family. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it, it'd actually be homophobic Damn. if I stopped bullying you. Because <laughs> then I'd be treating you differently than before, punk ass. Oh, oh we're sending some great messages this, um, this episode. We we're doing yeah. We tried. Happy Pride. We tried. I'm just so happy you said one wilder than me this episode. True. I'm so happy. I like. You're welcome. I, hey, sky's listen. the limit for me this episode. Listen, oh, no. you already set the bar Some, so high. Sometimes I have to let you run with it. I have to. I have to throw one out there. I'm like, Dallas totally is being fair. too tame right now. I need to. I need to coax. I need to stir him up a little bit. I need to, like yeah, a let me say something really, really stupid. There's on a dirty purpose, little tiger in a cage it in On purpose. <laughs> Like, there's a tiger in that cage. I'm gonna start, just start throwing meat at the bars. Like, hey, you're being awfully calm this episode. <laughs> Want to say something insane? Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm putting my glasses back on. Dark Anne is back. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back to Anne in the studio. We're gonna start rolling such straight people hits as Rocket Man. <laughs> I want to ride my bicycle. Born this way. You ever heard born of Orville Peck? Let's go. <laughs> By the way, so, Orville Peck's Born This Way is so freaking good. Thank you so yeah. much for recognizing me and my culture. Gossified <laughs> Cowboys. Gossified <laughs> Cowboys. Oh His my God. Born This Way is incredible. Mm. Best live performer I've ever seen. Mini side tangent just for the own, my own kicks and giggles. Every year, our our work has a Christmas party and has a theme. And this year is Wild Wild West. And I want to show up like a Yassified Cowboy so bad because it's a yes. bunch of straight white men in Colorado and Utah. And I'm like, they're just going to show up with their normal clothes. Yassified Cowboy, here I come. Weirdos. Show what up is- as Margot Robbie's cowgirl outfit from Barbie. Dude, yes. that's my plan. Oh my that's what I'm going to be. I'm going to make Carson dress up as Ken. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's nope, you're gonna kill it. Finger at me, so maybe not. I secured. Come on, Carson. I believe in you. I secured my back-to-back showing of Oppenheimer Barbie. I'm oh, doing you're the actually doing it. You're doing I'm the doing the Barbenheimer. In that order? Are you doing Barbie first and then Oppenheimer? Oppenheimer yeah. first. I wanted to look <clears throat> at the futility of my own morale. <laughs> Morality, nice. My own mortality, <laughs> and then go into Barbie. No, this week, I mean, it makes sense. Start with a downer, end with an upper. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. This podcast is me coming to terms with the death of my own morality every week. I don't need to go see <laughs> Oppenheimer to do You're that. You're welcome. Do you know what my Actually. mom had to say about our podcast this week? She hmm. goes, I get asked quite frequently if I listen to my kids' podcasts. And she goes, looks me dead in the eyes. And she goes, sometimes things are best left in ignorance. She goes, she goes, they can have their thing. I don't need to know what they have to say. I'm like, that's fair. Because we talk a lot of shit. She said, I don't need what those commie bastards have to sell. (laughs) (sighs) I was hanging out. I can't wait until I meet you and get to tell you everything your kids have been up to for the last two years. It's going to be great. Shenanigans. Shenanigans. With my deeply millennial friends this week. And I started slinging some commie propaganda. And they got a little bit like, but we're girl bossing. And I was like, oh no, this is the generational divide. Yes. They still have their hooks in you, you poor sad millennials. 
<laughs> Start handing around the communist manifesto. A little like, bit. Like, <laughs> I went so how- hard to be exploited. Like, girl, you don't have to. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Yep. No. I think I think that's a great segue into into questions. So, first question comes from Reeves Dam. Because I, yeah, that's just the email they sent from Batwoman LG. After what the awful CW show did to Kate Kane. Oh, did anyone see the CW show? No. No. Okay, so we're just going to take your word on this because I did not see it either. Mm. A Batwoman movie based on elegies, the only way to save and redeem the character for DC. My question, who would you cast as Kate and or any of the other supporting characters from the story, e.g. Alice, Jacob, or Sophie? Listen, Mm. I know some people really didn't like that show. I didn't see it, but I don't know how you find a better Kate Kane than Ruby Rose. That was oh, that's so true. Amazing. I Not think that was perfect. Enough. Not pale enough. Listen, we can we can pale someone up in CGI. We can <laughs> put them in a pale suit. I remember the first time I saw Ruby Rose in Orange is the New Black. I was like, gosh, I just know that's for the lesbians. Like mm-hmm. that has got to be the hottest lesbian on the planet. Listen, there's a reason a why John Wick that says for the lesbians. <clears throat> Like that was crazy. I saw that and I was like, "Wow, that is for the lesbian gaze." I just know it. Wow. There's a reason why John Wick Two is the only John Wick movie. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Um, cast Nicole Kidman so she can be in Gotham and she can say, "Heartbreak feels good in a place like this," (laughs) while wearing a big blown out red wig. Nicole Kidman. Um. The only thing that's popping in mind is the most generic lesbian casting I could do. I just said Kristen Stewart. Yes! <laughs> that's the only thing that popped in mind. Kristen oh, no. Stewart, Batwoman, next to... Robert Pattinson's Robert Batman. Pattinson's Batman. Oh, wait. <laughs> no, we can't do that. They're cousins. We can't do this. Actually, I think we should. We must. Make them be friends again. Put them in the same movie. <laughs> it's That's as cursed as doing the um, Elizabeth Olsen and... Jason, what's his name? Jason Taylor, Aaron, or something? Oh, Aaron Taylor, Aaron Jason Taylor Johnson. Johnson. Thank you. <laughs> Making them Wanda and Quicksilver immediately after having them be a married couple in Godzilla. It's that just was, as cursed. That was cursed. <laughs> That's why they had to kill Quicksilver. True. Yeah. They're like, this is too close to the Ultimate Universe as is. We can't let them, you know, go wild with this. Nah. Yeah. Um. I am so bad at these, like, who would you cast as mm-hmm. questions? Because I know exactly five actors and six actresses. Yeah, mine always feels like I'm going to pick the lamest answer because I'm not actually, you know, picking who's best for the character. I'm just picking who immediately in my mind looks most like the character, which sure. I would always rather Hollywood pick someone I've never heard of in my entire life as long as yeah. it gets us someone closer to the character. I don't need a big name actor to play every single character all the time. So. Timothy Chalamet as Kate Kane. Yes. Mm. Actually, no, no, you're right. He could do Big it. Red wig. Love it. Put him in a J.H. Williams vulva suit. <laughs> <laughs> the behind the scenes. Listen, you should have seen the prosthetic vulva we got for Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> <laughs> it was insane. No. It's half the budget. <clears throat> Timothy Chalamet. So I learned how to talk. Um <laughs> quite an experience <laughs> i'm 
sorry. Does anybody take Timothy Chalamet seriously? I'm sorry. I can't. I can't look at that man and be like, excuse you. I'm sorry. He is the Paul. Yeah, excuse you. That's Paul Atreides. That's the Muad'Dib right there. Hmm? Are you kidding me? Is that the one where they play in Dune? What? Yes. That is hashtag. No, he is the guy in the movie Don't Look Up that made that movie. Did you ever watch that with Jennifer Lawrence? Nope, because everyone asteroids. I knew who saw it said, do not watch it. It was a, it was an interesting movie, but he made it. He carried that whole movie on his shoulders. First off, he was delightful in Little Women. Okay, okay yeah, fine. <clears throat> fine. I like I'll him. I'll throw him that bone. I just I always like that little him, guy. That... Four delightful little women, I think, at first. Yeah, yeah. but then he's but then also he's delightful. There. He... Everyone in that movie is delightful. His name is Lori. He's the fifth little woman. <laughs> he is the fifth little woman. <laughs> when Bob Odenkirk comes in and says, my little women. And Timothy Chalamet is like, me. Me too. Yes. Yeah. I need that to be my text tone. Saul Goodman saying, my little women. That was so Dallas co- coded it hurt. <laughs> Painful. <sighs> Oh like, my god. Are you telling me Laura Dern's in this and she's married to Saul Goodman? <laughs> this is so me, it hurts. <laughs> oh, Watch no. Little Women, everyone. Who wants yeah. to read the next question? I can do it. Oh, it's wait, you want me. Bob Odenkirk as Mr. Kane? No. Let's do it. No, he can do it. He probably could do it. <laughs> also. And then Timothy Chalamet is Kate Kane. There you go. Send it to press. <laughs> Hello, Comics Collective. First of all, I wanted to thank you guys for answering my last message. And Dallas, I've already checked in if my library had any Kyle Starks for me to follow your recommendations. I will probably be reading Mars Attacks soon. Hell yeah. Good job. There is awesome, awesome, awesome Kyle Starks comics in your future. And then read Assassin Nation. That one rules. Now, on to this book. I have to start off saying that as a queer Jew, reading this book made me feel seen in a special way because the story is not necessarily about these two identities. Oh, things are shifting. Okay. (laughs) But Rucka and Williams managed to make sure you are naturally reminded of them from time to time, especially with the present of the Sephirot, Tree of Life, a Hanukkah, and the candles for Shabbat in Kate's apartment, and the in-story justification for why she uses red being the representation of Givirach. This is how you show representation. And I didn't even talk about the lesbian rep here. So my question is, as the number one fan of Maggie Sawyer, everyone go read Metropolis SCU, I need to ask, which girlfriend did you feel more of a connection with? Maggie, Renee, or Sophie? Thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for covering one of my favorite books ever. Dan, she, her. P.S. How cool were the supernatural designs? Oh my gosh, I need Kate in JL Dark. She would be great in Justice League Dark. That would yeah, be really rad. Fun. Uh, favorite girlfriend. I wish we could have got more of Sophie. That like makes mm-hmm. me sad. Sophie was kind of sad. Tragedy. <sighs> Listen, I'd love my number one messy pairing, Renee and Kate Kane. They are the worst for each other, but every time they're on the page, it is dynamite. I'm like, listen, you are both the most broken people I know. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. 
be broken at each other. When Renee kicks in that door to kick those guys' asses, and she's like, first time I see you in a year, you're in this bar with this scum dressed like a slut. I was like, you got to let lesbians be toxically masculine, too. Damn. For the culture. It's incredible. Love it. Love it. Listen. I don't think they should be together at all, but I love it. No. Kate's big issue is that she is a big fish who only hunts big fish. She is constantly a top looking for other tops. Every relationship she's in, they always, they, they, have a, they have an argument before they have sex every time because they cannot decide who is going to be that top that night. And it's always going to be a fight. They, she, she cannot make her relationships work because she keeps dating herself. It can't keep happening. She needs to find the compatible person. And as much as I love Renee, as much as I love Maggie, neither one of them are hit. Neither, it, it's not it, girl. You need to keep looking. I understand you like strong women. I get, I get it. I'm there too. You need to understand that it, no, it's not for you. Lady. You need a soft lady. Maggie need... was the other girl in the suit at the dance. Mm-hmm. Is yes. that correct? Yeah, I liked her a lot. She was cool. That moment when she just is just beaming at her in the suit. It's like they both that that instant connection is incredible. And yeah, that was it happy was good. pride. Happy pride. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. I do everything that happens with Kate and her relationships in the new fifty two gets a little better until it gets disastrous. But it's you know, I think I think it's for the best. When when you get to the new fifty two, her relationship with Maggie does get a bit better and it does get explored a little bit more, I believe. Um, but it's just, it doesn't click for me. I think it's because I know how everything ends and I just can't let myself get emotionally attached. So yeah. those are my thoughts. What do you think, Lex? I agree. I feel like I also liked the messy Renee stuff in the middle. I was like, oh yes, this is great. But we're fun. Yeah. I okay. just feel like he's a soft lady. As someone in a stable relationship, sometimes I like to read about a messy one. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. I'm a dramatic sometimes person I trapped in a healthy, loving relationship. That's a crazy thing to do. Yeah. Don't do that. I, it's a joke. Sometimes. Sometimes I like to cry over chicken. <clears throat> that's a moon. A moon. No. A mood. Duh. D. Dick. <laughs> D, as in the first letter of Dunkleosius. I only got like five people to ask me to spell it. I can't. You know what? I get it. People are intimidated to talk to me. It's fine. It's whatever. Putting the sunglasses back on. True. Yeah. That's that's me being like, no one invites me on their podcasts anymore. It's because they're intimidated by me, not because I did a bad job. <laughs> Evan just stops inviting you. Get onto our podcast. Evan's like, so anyway, um, and did really really great last time. So, like, um, we're just gonna gonna keep going with that. So, he said, Did you get to listen to last month's episode? It was, that was pretty, pretty good. I don't listen to podcasts. I make one and then I. You weren't even on that one. That doesn't matter. I don't listen to anybody's. <laughs> and if it makes you feel better, I've never listened to that podcast. Oh, hell. <laughs> I lied. I lied. <sighs> listen to the first episode, okay? 
<laughs> I threw him a bone. Truly not nope. for me. Nope, not, not, never again. Mm-hmm. Dude, I don't even listen to our own. I make well, it. That's a crazy I, thing to do. That's a crazy say, thing to do. I don't listen to ours because I lived it. So, like, yeah. I've already Yours listened to it once. Sometimes I'd be listening to it like, this guy's so smart. Wow. <laughs> He's saying all the right things. Wow. You know who does listen to the podcast, though? Aunt Beth. If you're listening, you made it this far. You're the best. Uh, I love you. See you at Christmas. I, don't, I hope I see you before that. Actually, no, <laughs> see you at the family cookout in August. Oh. Don't tell Grandpa. Don't Wait. tell Grandpa. <laughs> Grandpa, don't listen to this episode. <laughs> it's a surprise. Oh, no. Hey. Surprise. Surprise. Can you imagine this That's- is how the surprise is spoiled? He's like, I was there for the lesbians. <laughs> I listened to the lesbian podcast. No. He's like, oh. I wanted to know about how she <laughs> brought together her. Her background in the military, her Judaism, and her lesbianness into one beautiful whole. And I got my surprise ruined. You said, you said vulva a lot more times than I thought you would. But I still listened. I didn't think the number would be zero. But I was surprised at how often it was said. He's like, I've always been a fan of J.H. Williams, you know. I've got some great layouts. I'm thinking a random text just like, hey, can you send me that, send me that comic? I need you to show me this comic. What are you talking about? You're talking about Calvin and Hobbes one week, Volva's the next. You kids are crazy. Ooh, and that's on comics, baby. Lex, Back you want to read the next comic. one? Absolutely, I do. All right, it says, hello, collective, long-time listener, first-time asker. Ooh. Ooh. Hello, friend. Uh, just wanted to know what's your stance. What's your stance on Batwoman having a sidekick? I know she's had Batgirl slash Flamebird in the past, but that didn't last. And following that question, what do you think is the reason the whole sidekick thing didn't work for her? Thanks for listening and thank you for great content every week. You're one of the highlights of my Wednesdays. So I think. Yeah. Thanks. Giuliano. Thanks. Giuliano. Yes, I think this is a a great a great segue to what we we talked about before the podcast. But a quick explanation of who um, Bet Kane or Betty Kane is: Betty Kane was actually um, the original Batgirl and Batwoman. So back in the from Morrison's Bat, okay, yeah, Morrison makes her a character. Yep, okay, yep, yep, yep. Long ago, she was the original. And that was back before um, Crisis on Infinite Earths kind of reset all continuity. And after continuity, she kind of popped up again. But the new continuity was that Barbara was the first Batgirl. So she's like, I'm going to be this character called Flamebird. And Flamebird has a sick costume. She's a great vigilante. Some bad things happen to her later. I don't think she dies. I don't remember her dying. I feel like I'd be a lot more upset if she died. But yeah, Batwoman having a sidekick doesn't exactly last too long. It doesn't work out very well. And I think it's just because that's who Kate is as a person. I don't think she's designed to operate on teams the way that like a lot of the other members of the Bat Fam are. She's very much a solo act to me. And I think it's just because she has her she she treats this like it's a mission. She has her objective. And I think a lot of other people don't approach it from the same angle she is. So finding a psychic for her, just from a character standpoint, seems a lot more difficult for me. But maybe someone else has a different reading. Yeah, I've got a, I've got one. So 
what was missing is the realization that Batman and Robin have a bat and a bird dynamic here. Okay, so you can't have Batwoman, Batgirl. That doesn't make any sense. What you've got to have is Batwoman and then a bird themed name. And I've got some that I'd like to bring forward. All right. Batwoman and the blue footed booby. Batwoman. (laughs) Stop. No, I know where this is going. Batwoman and the tufted titmouse. No. No. Batwoman and the Swallow. Uh, I, we can keep going. <laughs> on Pride Month? You did this to us on Pride Month? Um, already named Flamebird. Flamebird? I'm sorry. Flamebird already exists. I'm... Okay, listen, listen. So you've got the black the and boy. red. You've got the black and red of Batwoman, and then you've got the white and blue of the blue-footed booby. <laughs> oh, no. Incredible. First off, or was like, oh no, is that Titmouse? That's an incredible name as well. Especially for a lesbian. Oh. All I'm saying. Or Cornish Game Hen, if you're not nasty. I don't know. <laughs> the Hotzel. <laughs> yeah, with the, with the claws. With the claws. <laughs> the Archaeopteryx. <laughs> This Batwoman and her psychic, Creepy Dave. <laughs> Hello. Creepy Dave. I love Creepy Dave. Creepy Dave. I love Z Frank so much. I used to watch all of his videos on YouTube. I'm glad that he has jumped to TikTok and he's doing a great job. Doing great. I love Creepy Dave. Creepy Dave. I like that whenever <laughs> I have to share a TikTok with you, I have to save it and text it to you like you're a grandmother. Yes. Because I know I if I... I know if I just send you the link, you're not going to follow it. If I message it to you on TikTok, you're not going to see it. So I have to save it to my phone and message it to you. It is such a labor of love to send you 25 seconds to make you laugh. Yeah. Listen, listen, and you can works. send me the link. Just um, that's that's what that's what Morgan does when he sends me lesbian thirst TikToks. I click on the links. I'll click on the links. Just don't DM me the TikTok. I'm never on TikTok to open my DMs. I have like 99 plus DMs on TikTok. Most of them are from Evan, and I feel so bad. Evan, I'm gonna watch all the TikToks you sent me one day. I swear to God. Um, Evan, I just know, if I get on TikTok, I'm never gonna fall out it. because Evan's never sent me shit. <laughs> Evans, I comment, I comment and share every single one of his videos. Hmm. His videos are good. I I like his videos. I'm trying to boost his boost his friends. Listen, I I've seen the videos that Morgan has sent me, and if half of what I've seen about lesbian TikTok is true, I would not survive five seconds on that app. I gotta be honest. It's exciting. I would I would die. I would die with TikTok open. They'd How sad would that be? They'd be calling her the blue footed booby. <laughs> I think that's a stellar sidekick name. I mean, you're you're not wrong. Oh, can I read this next one? Because they're yelling at you. <gasps> yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah. This next one is from Mason Gonzalez. Batwoman is awesome. That's the email. But also... <clears throat> me, 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 me. Okay. Dallas, how could you abandon Hunter x Hunter? Did you even get to York New? You're letting yourself miss out on the Phantom Troop. Greed Island. Greed Island has card collecting the motherfucking Chimera Ants. You're doing yourself a disservice. Okay. Anyways, please know I'm not actually mad. (laughs) But you are missing out. For the love of God, don't call me stupid on air, please. (laughs) Dallas is notorious for that. 
Mason, Mason, we would never call you stupid on air. We we only do that to people off air exclusively. So you're safe. <laughs> Jeez Louise, that's not the right thing to say. Um, I'm sorry. We never call anyone stupid. We never. love everyone. Um, All right. So here's my beef with Hunter x Hunter. All right. So Hunter x Hunter, it starts out one of the best anime of all time. Okay. You got this little guy. His name is Gone. He's awesome. He's got spiky oh. hair. And then, yeah. And then... You've got this little boy with silver hair, whose name I forget, that was awesome as well. And they become best friends. And they're like, we got to be on this murder island together where we got to kill everybody. And then there's this big, tall, freaky guy that looks like a clown that is also going to kick their ass. And you watch the whole thing. You watch that whole season. You're like, this is crazy. How are they going to get out of this one? And then they're like, Ooh, they got out of that one. And that means they can go become a hunter. You're like. Great. What are they going to hunt? And then season two is like, <laughs> find out next season because now we explain the magic system. They're like, oh, so anyway, if you'll open up the page to page 36 of Hunter x Hunter, you'll see that Ned powers are required to have your 10 powers activated to have your Ken powers to be able to use your mind powers to use the Ned of so. This is the whole season is <laughs> just explaining they put it into a tournament arc so that you can be tricked into thinking it's fun but it's not because the whole thing is having just fire hose explain to you the magic system that you don't even need i don't care about the rules of anime magic just do it do the magic but no the momentum grinds to a halt and i just couldn't do it i was like you know what that was a great one season. We're going to we're going to call that one good. And I also I think I need to be diagnosed by an anime doctor because I cannot finish anime to save my life. I've had 3 episodes of Neon Genesis left for 2 years. And I loved it. I loved everything I've seen. And I've had 3 episodes in the movie left for ages. I don't know if I'll ever finish it. Who knows? My favorite anime of all time, Cowboy Bebop, also had like a two-year break between the first 80% of it and the last 20% of it. I don't know. I don't know what happens in my brain that's just like, we're going to hyperfixate on this anime, and then we're going to not care at all again. So that's why I stopped Hunter x Hunter. I wish I could be in the mindset to want to watch it again, but I'm going to be real. I haven't even watched Prehistoric Planet 2 yet. And that is so much higher up on my list than Hunter x Hunter. Am I here a spoiler for Prehistoric Planet 2? Yeah. There's dinosaurs in it. Holy... Did you watch it yet? I've watched three episodes. I fell asleep during... (laughs) I think I've watched like one and a half actually because I'm pretty sure I fell asleep on episode two. And I woke up on the finale. So I have not seen it all yet. (laughs) Outstanding work. Do not watch it late at night. It is a relaxing show. It's really nice. I loved season one, and then I was on vacation when season two dropped, so I just haven't. My TV's hard for me. I don't watch a lot mm-hmm. of TV. You you want my hot take? <clears throat> it's very cool. Very scientifically accurate. Great to see updated dinosaurs. Not enjoying it as much as I enjoyed walking with dinosaurs. You're crazy for that. I am. I respect it. I Listen, know. nothing is ever going to hit as much as Prehistoric Park. Oh my god, Nigel Marvin! Nigel my Marvin. dude! When Nigel Marvin... Nigel Marvin, nice. When Nigel, <laughs> Nigel Marvin, Marvin 
went to the Carboniferous to catch the Arthropleura. Yes. That changed my brain chemistry. When um that one dude, I don't remember he I don't remember is he had the mustache when he was like down feeding the Arthropleura and he's like, No, it doesn't really scare me. It's just kinda like a real animal. I'm like, You're so real for that. You you get it. You understand. Mm-hmm. Arthropleura, so cool. Mm-hmm. The best. Lexi, you know what an Arthropleura is? No. It is a millipede. That oh, is I'm gonna stop long. you right there. It's a twelve foot right long there. millipede. I don't need to know. We have some of those in our it, basement. It's as wide as I am. It's like a <laughs> literal magic carpet. Oh, you could ride it. You could Lord. ride the millipede. So what I'm hearing is this is the worm that shows up in Akatar. Frightening. <laughs> Anne, when are you going to read a Court of Thorns and Roses? It's good. I promise. Soon. It's good. It's very I good. have one of those. It's, it's by Sarah Moss, right? Yeah, Sarah, Sarah J. J. Moss. Okay, I got one of her books. I think it's what? Crescent something. Crescent, Crescent City. Crescent City. Oh. That's one. Addison's reading those right now. Not as good as A Court of Thorns and Roses. Oh, she just gotta get into it. I'm I'm so glad I got the lesser one. That's great to know. I'm, it makes me excited to start. Well, no, start um, with that one maybe then, because then you'll be okay. you like that one, and then you go into the better one. Okay, I can do what that. Else? Can I get through my my novel reading? I just I want to take a day off work this week just to get like some things settled. I have like so much I need to get finished. Yeah, I'm looking at the state of my my room at the moment. I need things organized. I got like an exercise routine I want to start doing every morning. I need the space to do it though, so I have to move my fucking bed. But my bed is also my dresser, so it's such a hassle. Mm. Beast is heavy. Got all my clothes in it. Okay, so where were we at? We also um. Is this also from Mason? These no, next- the next no, the next three I wrote the person's name below it. Oh, okay. Well, Lexi, would Me? you like to read this one? Because this is a very special um, writer. We haven't had him write in in quite some time. It's great to have him back. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. Okay. First question: J. H. Williams has some lovely creative page layouts what other artists have unique layouts you enjoy personal faves of mine include manapool and sorrentino question number two great polls i i will take your word for it number two any plans to read sandman overture with which williams drew Mm -hmm. three why is kate so pale does she need more sun should she see a doctor many thanks friend of the pod glenn machette so happy to hear back from Glenn. Yeah. Welcome back. We missed you. We did. Um, I, I have a funny answer for number three that I feel like I need oh, to please. leave with. Mm-hmm. Because as someone who is a sister of someone who's chronically pale, um, my little sister is the palest human being. And she, bless her, we went to literal Egypt and she goes, look, I got a and she holds her arm next to her leg and it's like 0.25 shades difference of her leg. <laughs> I, it's so funny. I love her. She's such a gem. Such a gem. So sometimes pale people can't even go out in the sun and get a tan, Glenn. Who knows? Maybe she does need a doctor. <clears throat> Listen, I can't confirm that it's a gay thing, but it might be. You know, <laughs> Sometimes you just want to stay in your cave and not come out as... <laughs> Especially when it's been a while since you've been on a date. You're just like, I am here. I exist only in the darkness of this habitat. 
I come out for snacks and snacks only, and I go back to TikTok. That's it. That's it. That's that's the single gay experience, at least in my personal experience. But I don't know. I can't speak for everyone. When I was a small boy, I once went to my mom and I said, I just feel so unlucky that I got the genetics that keep me so pale when the rest of the family tans so nicely. And my mom said, when was the last time you went outside? And I said, what do you mean? She said, it's not genetics. It's that you never leave your room. And so I used to go out and lay on the trampoline and read my books and flip myself like a rotisserie chicken at the 30 minute mark. And lo and behold, I can tan. I just hadn't been outside for five years because all I do is read all the time. So maybe that's what I can attest to that. That did happen. Mm. Yep. That makes sense. All all of those check out. Mm-hmm. So two, do we have any plans to read Salmon Overture? I, we do not have plans, but I would not say that I would not like to revisit Sandman at some point. Matt Draper has us at gunpoint to get him back to do Sandman. <clears throat> that soon. is true. We just, we, we got to give him some space. We can't let people think that Matt likes comics or something like that. That is true. We got to mm-hmm. take our time. It'll be tough. Yeah. Sweet, sweet time. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like the first one, I, I already kind of said it at the beginning, um, Yannick Paquette, I think that um, their spreads are beautiful and fantastic. Love their page designs. Sorrentino is a fantastic pull for that. I just read Tenement number one, and Glenn is absolutely right. One of the best working in the game right now. Um, I have been incredibly impressed with the last few issues of Starman that Tony Harris did before the art switch. Mm-hmm. Those layouts are crazy. Um, who else? I mean, John mm. Bissett. And on Swamp Thing, the original Alan Moore Swamp Thing, those were some really great layouts. I know they're simple, just boxes, but Jack Kirby always knows how to make a layout, baby. Oh, um, I, every time we get one of these questions, I just look over at my shelf. I'm like, something spark, something spark. Just Taylor and Galaxy. I thought that they did fantastic oh. with their layouts in there. That was good. It was so good. By the way, I hope everyone out there pre-ordered Hot Girl. I would hate to come to your house and burn your Batman comics. That would be so awful. Oh, no. And, this and is going to... now Because it's this, too late for you to change. This you is going to show... Off, I swear to God. How hmm? much I have brain worms. Did we do a Galaxy episode? We did. Yes, we did. You just weren't there. Oh, yeah. That's a bummer because I love yeah. that comic book. Yeah. It was just me and Anne. It was a girls episode only. Sorry, you weren't But invited. it's okay because Hawk Girl is going to be the sequel to Galaxy because Galaxy is going to be supporting character all the way through. So if I you haven't. I saw that on the Twitter and I was so happy. <laughs> I said, oh, hello. And Alicia Yoy is going to show up in issue three. So, you know, Jazia is doing exactly what I was hoping she'd do and just said, listen, if you give me a trans queen, I'm putting her in the book. Hawk Girl is now the defender of the trans queens. So. Woo-hoo. Love that. We love that for Hot Girl. That is. Did you say Hot Girl? Because no, hot. true. It's my listen. It's it is. True. I, I was like true and funny. <laughs> uh, once again, hey, I'm being bullied summer, okay? for my speech impediment. Um, oh. That was again. not the. I was giving you credit for a joke, <laughs> and then instead of being like, "Yes, I'm funny," you were like, "I would like to be the martyr," and all I would like to say. Come off your cross. I was giving you a compliment. 
Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm always on the defensive, though. Need to explain why that is. Mm. Anne's got the hands. <laughs> She's like, I sign in once a week to get my ass beat. <laughs> uh, that's okay. Literally, though, that's what my family um, get togethers are like. Like, you got to go to Christmas Eve with my family and you got to be ready to defend yourself. Swear to God, if you if you are not the um, you are not the top of your comeback game, you're gonna get torn to shreds. Swear to God, that's that's just how the Brenneman family do. You gotta be, you gotta be prepared. Proficious. Sounds like a good family. It is truly is. That's what's fun about this comics collective family. All right, let's bang out these last three questions in like five minutes. We can do yes. it. Okay, so, hi guys. Hope you're having a great day. My question is as follows. Do you think the Batwoman TV show was a good representation slash adaptation of this book? Love you guys, Dan. Dan? We don't I'm, know. Dan, yeah, sorry. exactly. I'm sorry we can't spend more time on this question. I did not watch it. Oh. Um, CW shows lost me a long time ago. Tragedy. The ad looked kind of cool. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. I don't watch CW shows. I the barely only- watch full-blown movies of these characters. I'm not going to watch daytime television of them. He- the only CW show I continued past season like two was Supergirl, and that's exclusively for Nicole Maines. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'm not sure if I showed you two, but Glenn actually got me a cameo for Nicole Maines when I got my first top surgery. That's awesome. So that was so cool. That and was... I need I'm gonna send that when I go into my next my my final top surgery in July. So it's gonna be great. Hell yeah. That rules. I'm Love so excited Nicole for you. So much. Thank you. It's the, it's honestly the summer of Anne. Like it it's this, hot Anne summer. I after yesterday, I gotta agree. I was so happy yesterday being at Pride and being like, I am here and I'm sexy and I'm fucking yes. killing it. It that was rules. it was an amazing feeling. That rules. You were. That was a great it, outfit. It was. It took me so long to get here, but I'm like fully in trans joy, just enjoying my fucking mm. self. And it's that that's my favorite thing about Pride Month is just reminding me how far like I have come and just I don't know. It's it's been nice. So I thank both of you for appreciating that and acknowledging that. Thank you. It rules. Of course. We love you. Well, I mean, I'm sure it's hard where it's just small changes every day over a long period of time, right? Like we no. talk with you enough that sometimes I am shocked, like, oh, whoa. Like she's come so far. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so oh, yeah. What a special treat to have days like that where you can sit there and be like, I am a badass that has done so much. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Killer. Thank you. Listen, it's a real hot girl, you know, mm-hmm. written by Jatia. Even better. <laughs> All right. Should I do the next one? Yeah, absolutely, please. All right. Hey, Collective, this is more of a question about Kate Kane as a character than about this particular story. But she's always seemed like an unlikely success story to me. I suppose you never know which characters will take off. But Batwoman being part of the first wave of New 52 and Rebirth titles is surprising for a Batman spinoff character that debuted in 2006. Lord knows the Batgirls, Bluebird and Signal haven't been that lucky. So my question is, how do you think this happened? Is it something about Kate's character and story, inertia from debuting in a popular series? Does the Batwoman costume just look that cool? As always, excited to hear all of your insights, Kurt. Hmm. Absolutely the design. Absolutely the design is a huge part. Like, that is a Mm -hmm. kick-ass costume. It's true. I love the red. 
Yeah, when you have a character that takes off like this, it has to always be some combination of the three. It has mm-hmm. to be all of them together. It's not going to work. Because we had the New Age of Heroes come out where you had like some really um, fire character designs and some really great stories, but maybe like not great um, <laughs> not great writing on their books. Or you had like a great character like Silencer and a great story like she had in her book, but a kind of shitty design. Why does she kind of have a baseball cap on her head? I don't understand. It, it You need to have all three to have it stick in the collective consciousness of people. And I think characters like Kamala Khan, I think characters like Batwoman, they have all those features that let them stick the landing. And I think, honestly, a character... Greg Rucka has a proven record for creating the kind of characters that have enough runway to want to follow up. Because there's a difference between a strong debut and a strong debut that opens up a path that other people want to walk down after you're done with the character. And I think G. Willow Wilson and Greg Rucka are the best modern examples of people who worked to create a character that had more to be said after they were done with them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Agreed. Anything to add, Lexi? No, I mean, I just feel like from this being my only experience with her so far, I completely agree. Like, her design is amazing. The story writing was amazing. And just overall, it was just a 10 out of 10. I feel like it was such a great start to a really fun character. So I can I can understand why she has transcended the ages. Nice. Well, would you like to read the final question from Mullet Overlord? Of course. I would. All right. It says, hey, Comics Collective. Oh, hey, Comics Collective. I'm sure others have probably asked this, but I was wondering if if you think that the specific temporal point of don't ask, don't tell dates Batwoman in a way that complicates her use in modern books, or do you think it adds a grounding to her stories that Bruce's lacks uh, from Mullet Overlord? Love that name. It's a good one. It's a gem. What do y'all think? It's it's interesting because I don't think it dates it too much because it's it's so hard to remember that this was so recently. Like, we have not even passed the 10-year mark of gay marriage being legal in all 50 states. That was insane to me. I yeah. Like, six months ago, for some reason, I went to look up when that happened. And I was convinced Google was lying. Like, my wife looked it up. I looked it up. We looked through, like, 10 different websites. I was like, there's no way. 2015, there's no way. I was like... I graduated high school that year. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's no way. It's crazy. Like, obviously, there's so much more to go. But just the leaps and bounds we have made, like, within our lifetime is insane. Yeah. I So I think in that respect, I think it's actually really, really critical and cool that her story incorporates something as big as Don't Ask, Don't Tell and you can look back and say this was literally just 27 not 27 this was literally just 17 years ago that's that's it that's insane to think about look at how far we've come but also look at what's happening in the media now what happened what is being pushed what people are saying and how close we are in some aspects to some of these things being taken away and disappeared and it's just a reminder of why pride is a constant struggle and fight and yeah, I think it dates it, but in a good way. Yeah, I 
What's really interesting about returning to comics from the early to mid 2000s is there are a lot of cultural touch points that still hurt because they're not long enough away that you can be like, well, this comic was made in the 80s. Like times were different Mm -hmm. back then. Like these are recent enough that they still come up and they still are sort of like dog whistles like, holy shit, we're talking about that. But I do think, again, it's like what we were talking about just a bit earlier. Sometimes it's important to establish a touch point for yourself of how far you have come. And I also, ultimately, I am a straight man saying this. So take it with a grain of salt. But I think sometimes it doesn't hurt to be in touch with the context that older people went through at that time. Right? Kate Kane is not a teenage character. The reality of even right now, like, her experience as a queer character is going to be very different from John Kent's as mm-hmm. a queer character, just because there's an age difference and we've changed a lot as a society in the last 20 years. And so I think erasing that part of her character does a disservice to a lot of the queer community who had a very similar experience to that, that may not, that may seem completely alien to the queer community of this exact moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I completely agree. Lexi, do you have anything to add? I feel like I kind of touched on it a little bit at the beginning, but like I feel like it was done in a way that added to the story for me personally to read. Um, Like it was her remaining true to herself and it created a really amazing moment with her father in the story. And I just feel like it's something that has, in my ignorant opinion, aged well. as well as it can you know so i don't know i feel like it was done really well but that's just me well thank you and awesome and thank you to everyone who listened and got this far through all of our shenanigans and Mm -hmm. hopefully you learned a little something with us if you have any comments for us we'll get to that in a second but with that being said lexi would you like to end the episode and read us out absolutely all right, everyone. If you like our show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter account at CMX Collective or our TikTok account at The Comics Collective. Or you can find each of us on our personal Twitter accounts at Dallas underscore comics at and comics and at Lexi Lou underscore comics. If you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five star review. And if you give a written review, we'll read it off on the show. And finally, feel free to email us with those questions or comments for the show at thecomicscollective at gmail.com. And we'll see y'all next week for our continuation of the saga of our new event. It's Avengers now. New Avengers, right? Correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. With beloved friend slash fourth partner of the pod, Evan. We're on infinity, everybody. Oh, yes. Infinity. We're to infinity. This is where I came into comics. Infinity numbers one and two and were in my very first stack of comics I ever bought. Oh, this is going to be a fun little read. I can't wait to hear you talk about that. That's going to be so cool. I'm excited. This is where the problem started, too. folks. <laughs> but listen, this is why we're here right now. You might it's as true. well get Dallas's secret origin. Let's go. <laughs> True, true. We're yeah, maybe how many issues in? Two hundred and some change. Yeah, I'll give Issue my secret origin. 
issue 420. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. Uh, bye. Bye.